My name is Owen Flynn and welcome to episode 5 of Trail Running Ireland. Great to have you all with us again and I hope you have enjoyed the new freedom since our last podcast with the county and 20k boundaries and that you're all staying positive and dare I say it, we have got some real races on the horizon coming soon. Rory and Rene are here with us as ever and Rene has got some really great training tips this week and our feature interview is with 21 time Irish international mountain runner and three time gold medalist at the World Mountain Running Veteran Championships in Conroy. It's an interview not to be missed for many reasons so get your running gear on let's go Let's get straight into it, everybody. And as I am here recording this episode, I hope you, the listener, you're either out enjoying the trails, enjoying a run as you're listening, or maybe even you've just come back for a run or even going out for a run later on. Either way, I hope you're enjoying your training at the moment. And life life is full of problems right now. But listen, we're all getting through it. We're up to episode five here on the podcast. And I hope bit by bit you're all getting through this strange, strange period indeed. Guys, let's get straight on with the show because the interview that we have with Ian Conroy later on, it's really, really special on a number of levels. We all run to be happy, to get those endorphins going, but sometimes life's problems can can get in the way as well and sometimes running can cause problems and it can cure problems. And Ian really opens up later on and tells us his wonderful story of running for Ireland on 21 different occasions, nine World Mountain Running Championships, so really worth listening into that one later on as always a big shout out and a big thank you to our show sponsor eco trail wicklow entries are flying in lots of positivity about the race so a big thank you for everybody that has signed up for the race in bray on the 26th of september so check us out on facebook on twitter on instagram as well lots of updates on the social media during the week so guys without further ado let's kick off the show and let's call in our man on the ground rory long Rory, good to have you back with us for episode five. How are you, mate? How you doing, Alan? Yeah, so I might just start with Ireland. I mean, I guess the first bit of exciting news for everyone in the trail running community is the 20k extension and the county extension uh, in terms of the distance that we're allowed to travel. So for trail runners, this gives some really fantastic options for everybody. Um, obviously, the Dublin-based trail runners get access to some of the mountains again, which is great, and places like Hoth and Brayhead. So it's some beautiful options. And then for the lucky people who live in places like Kerry and Cork and uh, even Wicklow, you know, you've got some amazing options. So I think that's been some really, really positive news. I'm sure, Rory, everybody was getting sick of their 5K loops. Um, so a great bit of freedom to be able to get back out to 20K and even maybe cross the, the county border um, if you can. Yeah, I might just say that in terms of, um, you know, the trail running offers it's such a great way to get out and kind of get away from the crowds and especially with this extension that there's really a lot more space that's available for people maybe in places they've never been to before so i think that it's really a great time if you've been you know focusing your training maybe in the local parks or on the roads it's a really great time now to get back on the trails and get back into the mountains yeah and in the meantime if you are looking for a race the um, the virtual races are still going strong they are indeed so the Imer virtual 5k uh, we had it that just just finished and it's been uh, another really successful virtual relay and some more fundraising, which is obviously fantastic. 
There was 29 teams with three runners, so almost 90 runners in total, which is great. Um, the fastest man in the day was David Power, who's uh, an Emma regular. Um, and then we also had Sally Ennis, on, which is, who was the fastest lady in the day. And just as you mentioned, virtual races, Rory, um, it, it's great to see you back home. But in the last um, episode that we did, episode four, we mentioned the great virtual race across Tennessee. Um, it was Simon Kelly that tipped us off about that one there. And the good news is that the Irish team of Tom Reynolds, Tom Reynolds sorry, Colette O'Hagan, Phelan Lynch, Jill McCann and then Simon as well. They came in second in the international competition just behind England. And just to recap on it, it's um, it was 1,022 kilometres long from the southwest of Tennessee to the northeast of Tennessee. And they had over 19,000 participants sign up. Um, it was Gary Cantrell, also known as Lazarus Lake, the man behind Barkley Marathons who organised it. He said he was expecting about 600 people to sign up. They had 19,000 in the end, over a million dollars in race entry fees. So an incredible virtual race and a big shout out to the Irish guys who came in second against the tough competition from the English runners and um, there's even talk of a second leg as well going all the way back across Tennessee so it, it's something that um, that has captured the mind of everybody um, casual daily walkers as well as well as the elite ultra endurance athletes too because yeah, you've got I think three months from May sorry four months, May, June, July and August to complete the 1,022 kilometers. So you don't need to be doing 50, 100 kilometers. You can just be doing maybe eight kilometers a day if you, were, if you had have started on the 1st of May and then you did it every day until the 31st of August. So um, some race, some incredible race. Yeah, it's like, it's again, fantastic. I think I, I feel like I say this in every episode, but like really we see time and time again that the trail running community comes together. Um, and obviously fantastic for the Irish there as well. Like really... Uh, really strong performance so it's obviously fantastic to see that yeah uh, anything else um, Rory that you have there yeah I mean we're kind of talking about the international news now and it's actually a really exciting time in the world of FKTs or fastest known times um, so this is these are uh, attempts on really famous routes um, for example the most one of the most famous ones in Ireland would be the Wicklow Round and there's plenty of big attempts on on different FKTs happening uh, right now and um, so as we speak today on the 12th of June 2020 uh, Joe Stringley McConaughey, who is the former FKT holder of the Wicklow Round, he's out right now. He's out on an unsupported attempt of the long trail in Vermont. It's a 273-mile long trail. Um, it's really serious. It's really technical. It's been it's known as one of the more technical uh, long-distance trails on the East Coast. And you know the record times in these in these uh, kind of um, FKTs are in the days. I think it's like five days. So you know these are big, serious uh, efforts. And it's really cool because you can actually track him online on the fastest known time website. And um, so you can see how he's getting on. Um, and it's also the website is really a fascinating place to keep updated with routes and attempts. And even to see routes that you might not know that are recorded on online in Ireland. Much more than just the Wicklow Round. There's a few different trails that people have been putting FKT attempts on. So just, you know, something a bit different. And it's great to see someone like String Bean out getting it done even during the coronavirus period. Yeah, they're, they're a nice alternative, I suppose, aren't they, the, the races that we know and love. and um, Just something to keep people going until maybe, you know, late August, September, until races get going again. From my side as well, Rory, on the international trail running news, some positive news stories as well for once. The World Masters 
mountain running and trail running championships that were scheduled for Madeira. They were originally cancelled. Well, they're back on. It just came up my Facebook news feed today that their new dates are the 6th and the 8th of November in the Madeira Islands. You know, traditionally, Irish mountain runners and trail runners have always done really, really well in the World Masters Championships. Ian Conroy, that we're going to speak to later on, I think he is a World Masters over 35 champion. Mark Ryan, my Raffarnham teammate, he won the Masters over 35 championship as well. And they're just two that I can remember. And there's lots of other gold, silver and bronze medalists that we've had over the last couple of years as well. So that's something nice to look forward to if things are, are okay in November. Another one is an interesting one. This is the World Senior Mountain Running Championships in Lanzarote. It's a perfect example, Rory, of a very important international competition that wants to take place, that wants to go ahead. And the conflict that might be there between, say, obviously the sporting side of it, the economic side of it, and then, you know, potential health problems as well. At a local level in Lanzarote, they're really, really pushing for the event to go ahead because they released a press statement during the week saying that the World Mountain Running Championships is worth $8 million to the local economy in Lanzarote. So you can understand why they're pushing ahead, but you know who knows what what state um, will be in in November. So fingers crossed, fingers crossed they get to go ahead. Yeah, and I guess like I guess for the two of us as as runners who might even consider, of course we'd be delighted to see it happens, and it's always great to support the local communities and places like that. They always come out in great numbers to support at races like the World Championships. So I mean it's it's obviously a really tough decision for the um, international governing body. But I, you know, I think, me personally, I think it'd be really fantastic to see it happen and support the locals. Yeah, uh, it's a great race anyway, Rory. It's the, the race that it's taking place within is the Ardea XLM. Um, and the, I know the local organising um, company that organised that race. And they're very, very professional. So fingers crossed they'll go ahead. And if anybody's feeling very, very adventurous um, at the end of October, we spoke last week about UTMB being cancelled. Well, Thailand by UTMB, one of the UTMB franchise races, they released a statement on the same day saying that their race will definitely be going ahead on the 30th of October. And you can fly direct to Bangkok, pass through the natural parks of Chiang Mai. So if you're feeling very adventurous for the 30th of October, there you go, Rory. Thailand by UTMB. Well, I'm not sure if I'll be partaking in that, but you never know. Sure, Owen, yourself, you might get out there and commentate, no? <laughs> Who knows? Um, but listen, Rory, thanks a million for the update today. Anything else that you wanted to touch on? No, I think that's it, Owen. I guess just um, happy training to everyone and uh, looking forward to when the races get going again, as always. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks a million, Rory. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Owen. Bye-bye. My name's Sarah McCormack. My name is Brian Fury. My name is Nicola Duncan. My name is Zach Hanna. My name is Mark Ryan. I'm a mountain runner. 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 Hi, my name is Harriet and I'm a mountain runner. You're listening to Trail Running Ireland. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. 
And as always, there we have the voices of the Irish trail and mentor running team. Superb athletes who over the last couple of years have done their very, very best for Ireland. And who knows, one year it could be you. And to help you get to that place where, who knows, you're running for Ireland with a green signal on your back one day, let's call in René Borg. René, good to talk to you. Likewise, Owen, how are you? Good, Rene, good. Well, Rene, in last week's show, we mentioned about just the importance of doing that base general build-up phase before we get into the hard training sessions and hard racing season. I think today you wanted to talk about how to get the best out of our training on the actual trails and the differences that are on the trails and the mountains as opposed to, say, running on concrete and road all the time and the adaptations that we need to make to arrive healthy and strong to our races in August and September. Yeah, that's right. I kind of felt after the first few uh, segments, you know, we had nearly had a high-flying kind of a macro view on things. Um, and I think that's that's typical when you talk about training. You talk a lot about the training plans and the periods and everything, and then you can nearly forget to an extent that the real actions happens every day. Uh, in the actual by focusing on what you do inside every single workout and what you you know and how you act as you progress from run to run and day to day uh, which is you know what you obviously as the from a coaching perspective we call more of the micro level Uh, and what got me thinking was you know we have nearly it's only nine weeks now uh, until this hill season is meant to start again Um, and I think there's even some rumors it might be earlier. You know, we can't get into it, I think, quite yet, but there might might be races even earlier than nine weeks. And uh, for the people doing the longer races, you know, like obviously our own sponsor, Eco Trail and the Morris Mullins, early October, Wickleway Race, we hear now, um, Rory probably told you in the earlier segment, late October, they have 16, 18, even 20 weeks still. So I think this is a good time to say we are, we are probably still doing the general work, but for a lot of runners, they're beginning to think about getting out of that. Um, and I think that's the last, this is the time to to deal with the question, you know, by race day, what am I actually going to ask my body to, to tolerate? Sure, because I suppose, Randy, that a lot of people might have been stuck on local roads and pavements um, within the, within their 5K radius over the last couple of months. Some people might have had local parks and what have you. But now with the 20K extension, we can get onto the trails again. Um, do we need to take it slowly, Rennie, as we move onto the trails? Or can we jump in every day, begin to pound away? A short answer is no. Uh, it, that wouldn't be a good idea unless you have you know, a, a massive you could say background on trail, which, you know, probably would stay with you for longer than it would for someone who who has only dabbled or hasn't been on trails at all. Um, you know, the thing with studies on is they tend to kind of confirm what a lot of people just realize um, intuitively once they try it. And a lot of people look at trail running and they, they, they kind of know that it demands more from the muscles. You know, anyone who goes onto it, a trail, even if it's not very hilly, they can feel that, you know, it takes more energy to run a kilometer on the trail than it does to run it on the road. But if you do bring in the studies to give people kind of an idea of how much more is it, um, it costs about 10% more calories to run on a trail versus to run on a road. So that already gives you an idea. Um, and that's running on an even, you know, a nice even trail. Um, 
if you look at things like uneven trail, you know, where maybe there's a lot of rocks or it's just um, it's, it's, it's soft and cambered and things like that, it, they say it's at least 5% extra cost that you that you're talking about so so very quickly there's a lot of things that can kind of stack up on the cost side and that's before we even add the uphill and the downhill and that's obviously what then demands a lot um extra of the muscles so if you are used to running four or five hours a week and you just transfer that directly from road to trail that could be a much bigger increase than you might um, expect you know and you might see a lot more muscle soreness than you expected um, and it's important then to respect that and maybe say next week, uh, either reduce the overall load and, you know, run less hours. So I think better just start by introducing, as we mentioned in the last call, one or two runs a week on on the new terrains. Um, and I'd like to say as well about that, what is really interesting about trail is that and what's really beneficial for you if you approach it the right way is that it challenges all of your joints to a much higher degree than when you run on an even surface. You know, so especially the ankles, this is what the studies show, and to a lesser degree, of course, knee and hip joints as well. They have to operate in much greater ranges of motion, and there's a lot more variability from foot strike to foot strike. And that can be a good thing, you know, because you're not stressing yeah. the same thing all the time in the same way. But it does require that your body, you know, is able to tolerate those new ranges. And that's why it's kind of nice to don't don't go out with your mates next Sunday and jump straight into, you know, the 22K long hill run. If all you've been used to is running around the Phoenix Park, perhaps. Sure. And I know also, say, leaving the physical um, aspect of it aside for a moment, Rene, that from a mental um, point of view, getting away from the city, from cars, buses, et cetera, et cetera, the pollution and being out on the trails can also be very beneficial and um, that we're close to nature, we're running in beautiful areas, we're running beside beautiful streams, mountains, and that then subsequently can have a very beneficial physical effect on our bodies as well because we're more relaxed when we're running, there's less stress going through our body maybe as we're running because we're not stopping at traffic lights, we're not avoiding people on bikes, cars, etc. So there's that great positive mental side to it too. Yeah, I think there's no doubt about that. And I think most of us who who run in who who were used to running in cities, you know, where you had to stop, as you say, by at lights and things, um, and had to watch traffic, even running on the country roads here in Wicklow, you know, I personally would feel a lot less relaxed on the road because you do watch yourself in narrow in sharp bends and things like that. Whereas on the trail I I kind of feel I can really switch off because all I need to look out for is, you know, his hikers and mountain bikers and and generally they're not so dangerous. Uh, you know, as a, as a downhill runner, you're probably more dangerous to them than, than they are to yeah. you. Uh, 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 but I know, I know Renny, as well, you wanted to talk about pace as well. That that a lot of people who come from the roads, they're used to looking at their watch and eight minute per mile, seven minute per mile, etc. Where when you go to the trails, I think you really have to leave that habit habit behind out in the road. Because as you were saying earlier, every trail is different and it's it's a lot more demanding on your body it can slow you down in many ways as well so to forget about the pace and to forget about looking at your garmin watch to a certain extent yeah because even if you even if you can estimate if you have a race in mind and you can estimate what time you think 
uh, you're going to finish that race in. And it's possible to do that. You know, we should say um, you can look at a lot of the races in the calendar and even races you've done yourself historically. And if you look at your road time around the same time, you can kind of calculate how much slower would I be? You know, so just to give people an idea, I've looked at a few races coming up in the calendar. So a race like the EcoTrail 18K would take you 12 to 20 percent longer than your half marathon time. A race like Galtimore, which, you know, 13K, very, very hilly, can take nearly 20 minutes longer than your half marathon, although it's 8K slower uh, and so on and so forth. You know, this is kind of the trend for all trail races. They take a, a good bit longer. So you can calculate a time and you could go and calculate an average pace. But the problem is it wouldn't mean anything because the average pace doesn't tell you uh, what actually goes on in the race because there's so many variables even within you know a, a one kilometer stretch you know you can have different terrains if it rains the terrain might be softer if it has been very sunny as recently it's really dry and hard um, you can have more extreme weather conditions especially once you get up um, at altitude you know even even in Ireland if you get up to six seven hundred meters uh, and it's a windy day you can sometimes you can, you can barely move you know the, the wind force can be so high so when you take all of those variables in, it doesn't make much sense to structure your training around trying to hit specific paces and to go out on trail runs and, and measure yourself against paces. You know, it, it's not going to lead, um, I think, to, to something very useful. So an alternative I kind of wanted to, to give people to maybe go away and play with is is a is a very very old zone system. So this is probably the oldest zone system that exists. It, it's from before heart rate zones and pace zones, and even before the rate of perceived effort we talked about in the last um, call. You know, which was just how hard is this from one to ten. So it's basically just thinking of five words, um, and that is that you can run at easy pace, medium pace, hard pace, very hard pace, and a sprint. So you keep those five in mind and you basically build your runs saying, I'm going to go out and I'll do um, an easy run, an easy trail run. And you just try and tap into that sensation. And over time, as the weeks go, you'll start to notice, well, when I run easy over these types of courses, my pace is roughly this, you know, and maybe that then gives you some information. But the goal is to find out when I run easy. What does it feel like? And then when I say, now I'll, I'll do something else, maybe I'll do what's called a fartlek, which is obviously kind of an unstructured workout uh, where you insert some, some medium and faster work. So a good example is one we did yesterday, um, which is a, a kind of like a, a staircase workout where you start running four minutes easy on the trail, followed by two minutes at medium pace followed by one minute at hard pace and then three minutes jog. And you do that three or four times during the course of, of your trail run. And what you learn from a workout like that, as you run, all you do is focus on the sensation, on the word. Don't look at your watch, forget about pace. But when you come home, you can look at the pace. And then you can start learning, well, medium effort for me on this type of terrain is, seems to be about these paces. And by the time race day comes along and you've done this sort of stuff for, you know, six weeks, 12 weeks, 18 weeks, you can tune into those gears. So if you're doing a race that's nearly 25, 50K, it's fair to say you will probably be in the medium gear and you might even be towards the lower end of your medium gear. Whereas if you're doing Brayhead, 5K hill race, short and sharp, 
it's probably going to be the hard gear all the way. And that's going to be much more valuable to you to get in tune with those sensations and just tapping into them on race day. Because if you look down on your watch to look at the pace, uh, it's not going to tell you anything, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's so important to run to feel, Rene. And if I can add some advice as well to the, to the people listening in that I know over the years I've learned that say if I'm having a bad day work-wise or whatever it might be, and if my body is stressed out, if I go and try and run hard, whether it's off my heart rate monitor or run hard off feel, the, the session invariably ends up being a disaster because just your body is already under attack from whether it be work-related problems, family-related problems or whatever. So sometimes you're actually just better off running easy, let your, your whole body recover, and then the following day, then you go and run hard when you're feeling freshed, refreshed. Likewise, if you've had a bad night's sleep or whatever, just because it's Saturday doesn't mean that you have to go and do a hard training session. If you've had a bad night's sleep, wait until Sunday. Wait till you get your 24 hours proper recovery in and then run off field then again and hopefully you'll feel a lot better. And long term, you might avoid injuries as well. Yeah, I think that's probably the most important thing about training. And you you know the old saying, Owen, that um, any training plan should be written in pencil. Yeah. Uh, or not written in stone. And I think I, that's so easy to forget, especially, you know, we, we're going to release some Eco Trail training plans soon. Um, so, but whatever training plan you use, it's very tempting once you have it written on paper um, to try and execute it at all costs, you know, exactly like it is. And then forgetting that most of us don't even know how we're going to feel tomorrow morning. So how can you know, even, you know, even if you pay the best coach in the world, he can't know how you feel 20 weeks from now. Yeah. So you always have to have that mindset that you explained there that in the morning you check in a bit on yourself and say, am I actually ready to ask the question that the plan is going to ask me today? Because what it's the answer that's important. So if I go out and I ask a question I can't answer on that day, as you say, you're just going to ruin yourself. And it's better to be flexible and maybe something to help people do this in terms of motivation and to kind of break the habit of, you know, obsessively trying to complete workouts. Uh, there were studies done on how many percent of workouts runners needed to do to be successful. I think these were elite runners, but it was only about 80, 85 percent. And yeah. when, when they analyzed training plans, it's nearly impossible to find a training plan where a runner, even an elite, executed 100 percent of the workouts in the right way. Yeah, sure. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's so important as well to work with a coach that is flexible like that. And just to give you a quick example, Rene, only a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to an international class athlete who had just made a big house move, went through, you know, a couple of very stressful weeks. And um, she said to her coach that, oh, listen, I'm exhausted today. Don't fancy the session. But he made her do the session, despite her saying, listen, I'm exhausted. I've just moved house. I've just moved country, everything. Um, so it's very important to have a coach that understands and is aware of those needs as well. Well, there seems to be a war between the two old schools of thought. You know, I a lot of fitness training comes from the pay, uh, no pain, no gain. Um, and the idea that I think human beings are inherently lazy, you know, and need to be kicked up the bum. Um, you know, and that this is this could be where this coach is coming from. You know, that's maybe his mentality. 
Um, whereas, you know, we, we, I think both of you, me and you own, we prescribe to the whole idea of train, don't strain. Um, and I think most runners that I see, probably nine, 90 out of 100, maybe more, they need to be held back more than pushed forward. Because most runners I know are very motivated to train. Um, maybe it's different if you're a fitness coach, maybe because you are trying maybe to get people to do things they don't really want to do. But in my experience, most runners, if let loose, they will do too much too soon. Um, yeah. And it's uh, and the, the main role is to try and reel them back in and, and understand this idea that um, you only need to improve your average performance over time by a little bit all the time. And if you do that, over the years, you will reach your full potential. But if you try to cut corners you know, and hustle Mother Nature, as they say, by going from hero to zero within a very short period because we are impatient and we are greedy and we are super motivated, more often than not, it ends in the opposite result. Yeah, And, and I speak from experience, I can say, um, and I'm sure a lot of people listening know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, absolutely right. And especially in that group training dynamic as well, where, you know, the typical Tuesday night rep session where people go all in, but they might have a little niggle, but they're with their training buddies. They want to complete their hill reps or their eight by one K or whatever. Likewise, with the Saturday morning group session as well. And you can get away with that, I think, maybe when you're a little bit younger. But I think as you get pushed on into your 30s and 40s, etc., you do have to be very disciplined. And just because it's a Tuesday evening or a Saturday morning to, to be brave and step away from the group di- dynamic and um, to help keep those injuries at bay. Yeah, I heard a doctor the other day say that with human beings, it's really not survival of the fittest, it's survival of the wisest. And I think to a degree that goes for runners as well. Uh, absolutely. Well, listen, Rene, on that wise note, unless there was anything else that you wanted to mention um, today, we might leave it for, for this week's episode. All the best, Rene. Thanks a million for your input, as always. No problem. Talk to you. Talk to you, Rene. Bye bye. Time for our feature interview of episode 5 and I've been looking forward to this one for a couple of weeks now. It's with a teammate of mine on the Irish Mental Running team, Ian Conroy. I've been racing against Ian since 2004 and sharing Irish teams with him since 2010. He's an absolutely super guy and what a climber as well as you'll see in the interview. He's a great friend too and isn't that what running is all about? It's about making life-lasting friendships and And as you'll see, it's so important to look after our friends from the running community as well and just to check in with our friends to make sure that if you see them going through any lows, give them a shout, ask them if they're okay, because as you'll see with Ian, um, he's got through his hard times through talking to his running friends and family members as well. So let's get straight into it. Let's dial in the fantastic mountain runner, Ian Conroy. Ian Conroy, 21 times international for the Irish mountain running team. Ian, you're very welcome to the show. Great to be on, Alan. Great to hear from you as usual. No, listen, great, Ian. An absolute pleasure to have you with us today. And Ian, where do we start? I mean, 11 years running for Ireland. And I thought that we'd start back in August 2019, 
before the world heard of such a thing as coronavirus and um, a beautiful summer's day down in in Wicklow and um, the trial race for the world championships the for a ticket to Patagonia um, a, a very competitive race that day I think there was maybe about eight runners going for for three plane tickets to Argentina and he came second that day, guaranteed your spot on the plane to Argentina. Now, I was, I was battling for a place behind you, came in one place behind you that day. But I remember in my mum and dad and, and little kids and Jenny were there at the finish line. And they said that they saw you cross the finish line. And the, the screams, the shouts of joy, happiness, relief. From you, they said that they, they saw nothing. They never saw anything like that before. So, in maybe to start off, could you tell us what that moment meant to you, and where those shouts of joy and relief came from? Yeah, no problem. Yeah, the thing is that, like, if they if they watch me a few more big races, they might see that more often. I suppose, like, I tend to build everything up and then let it all out at some point, but. Uh, that day was like it was quite uh, I suppose poignant is that the word and because my auntie Gertie had died that week and it was her funeral that day and that's added to a few other things that go back through but so I had missed the funeral because I'd actually talked about it to my auntie and she's a big fan of mine kind of like you know she would have been oh, I love watching Katrina McKiernan and Sonia Sullivan as like the two the two name checks there and she's like oh Ian's just like Sonia's away with Ireland and stuff and she's very proud and stuff so on that day I missed the funeral and like I was like I'm actually getting a bit emotional there but she's not she's only been gone about a year or whatever but anyway so that was all like tied up in that and also of course it had been a long road back from a maybe seven month injury and previously to that I'd been dealing with like <laughs> just seeing people just pop, pop out of my life quite a bit before that, like my brother-in-law passed away in 2017. And then I had a, a real downturn, like mentally, I suppose. And I just came myself into the ground as all runners do. And so like, I suppose 2019 was like the, I'm back. I'm actually back. And like, I raced as I planned. I remember, it was, was it yourself? And Timmy O'Donoghue went off like, like normal, like, but like it felt like me, oh my god, like the clappers, and I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna be able to catch up with these lads. And um, I remember Killian uh, Mooney, and he was just saying, "Be grand, and you'll catch them up on the hill." And we got to the hill, and I could, it was like, oh yeah, this is this is what I I, I do it for. And it was like a conveyor belt; it just went straight up into second straight away. And after that, I suppose my lack of speed training told when I caught him, and I told him, look. We put another half lap in for, for home free. <laughs> and I, I knew he was faster than me, but he just looked at me and then he pegged it <laughs> on the downhill uh, on the flat part. So I couldn't get back up. But like, it was just a culmination of everything, like emotions and like, like yourself. I think there's, there's a few of us in the team that it means, like it's like, it means the same as our family, just making the team. Like it's an extension of us as people and our family just to be in that Ireland enclave. And we just like, it was like, I remember uh, embracing and hugging you when you finished. And it was hard to see like, say, Killian, my great, other great friend, or other people not making the team. But sure, we can't all make it. And we got our, you know, 
Patagonia golden tickets. So that was screams of joy. And I think I might have started crying a little bit on the ground as well afterwards. It was just, ah, uh, I just, I feels good to remember. That's pretty much it. Yeah, well, Ian, th thanks a million for, for sharing that with us. And uh, any script that I might have had for this interview has just gone out the window. Where, 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 where do I go from that? I mean, like, uh, we, we shared a week together in Patagonia mm -hmm. um, in November, two months after that trial race when we were at the World Championships. And and we never had that conversation. And, and I didn't know that your auntie had died and that... That day was the funeral. Um, what was it a, a tough decision in in any way to go to the trial race and not go to the funeral? Yeah, I was tied, but previous week, uh, like it's hard to remember straight off. With my my mother will give it to me, but her brother and my uncle, my mother's brother, had died like the week before, I think, and I'd already been to that funeral, so. And my younger brother couldn't make it to that one, so but I had gone. So my younger brother went with this, and I thought it was it was okay. That basically, it's not as if you know she's not like the funerals are for the living essentially. But like it, it's it's a nice way to say goodbye. But I suppose I discussed it with my mother, and she was you know like she said that my aunt would have you know she would have preferred me to go to the trial, and sure even at the other funeral. They were all saying before my aunt died that, like, you know, you'll make it in. And I was like, well, I don't know, I'm not where I should be. And they're like, you're going to make it. You'll make the Irish team. So, like, although it was it was just something maybe that it's like those little niggles you get. I know it's, it's much more than that, but like that you get the week of a race. It's just stuff, but it helps you concentrate your mind. And in a way, it helped me make the team because I was doing it for Andy Gertie. So. Yeah, absolutely. And and that was the the twenty first time, Ian, I think, that you had ran for yeah. Ireland. You're um, you're good. You're, you obviously looked it up very well because yeah, like the stats yeah, yeah. myself and Brian McMahon are missing a few uh off ours. I, I think myself and he are are tied or else he's one or two ahead of me overall. So, you know, I've got to get myself into be the most capped mountain runner of all time. Well, well, let me just share with the listeners what you have. You've got nine mountain running world championships, five mountain running European championships, four Snowden international race caps, two great international trail race caps, and one trail de Gerleden. It's an incredible achievement in over what over 11 years now and um, maybe one place we could start with after that was you mentioned that you were injured for seven months last year before getting in good enough shape to, to make that Irish world championship team and I, I suspect that there's a lot of people listening that maybe have gone through similar um dark moments especially over the last three months since coronavirus started whether they they mightn't have been able to get out to train because of work family commitments maybe even injuries lockdown etc what what tips what advice in can you give to people who who are at a low at the moment to, to help them get back and, and reach their their race target and and listen you know not everybody is is trying to make an Irish international team it, it might be their first trail race it might be a, a an ultra trail a 30k a 40k how did you in go about getting over that injury and getting yourself right to be good yep. enough to run for Ireland again 
Yeah, no, Ron, I think, well, it, it helps that I've done it before, so I know what's required. So I suppose, you, like, so I know that to make a team, more or less, I have to be able to time trial in less than 16 minutes for 5K. I have to be able to do over two hours of a long run, and I have to be able to run 80 miles a week. So that's one that's one way of looking. You can look at, like, stats, like, for yourself. So you'll have your own way of knowing how you're fit, but there's no way of not really, but... For me, I think, uh, whereas you, you just, let me see, it's a hard one. Yeah. Maybe ask me a slightly different way, like it's kind of like hard to get. Oh, yeah, I had the answer, but it's kind of escaping me now slightly. Well, I know from observing you in over the years, it's just never giving up. It, it's never giving up, isn't it? And asking for help. I, I remember, um, I think you, you cycled over to my house from... Rahini to Clancilla just uh, asked me to go through some stretching and strength work with you um, and you've just never thrown in the towel so for people listening maybe that's the message just uh, no, no matter how dark of a place that you're in just to keep going I suppose, never give up I was thinking, yeah, like the, all those things like everything has a cycle that's what I always tell of yourself like so if you do go to the dark places where you are injured like as my father would say, fathers are great for these kind of things, you know, or grandparents or anyone like that. Like, eh, there's always someone worse off in a way, you know, like, he's, like you see, there's some like very amazing people who are like, they end up quadriplegics or something like that. And they, they're like really positive people. So like, I think everything has a cycle and in some ways, like a depression or an injury or that kind of stuff to come back from it sometimes you need it to do so like it's kind of like part of the it's like you're almost like i had a like a an actual grieving process that was like from my brother-in-law and it it basically took you know over a year and i I never got like what i would recommend is people talk about things that's the first thing so like anything that has to be realized uh be it like say you're feeling down like people are now at this present time just talk about like like what are the things that make you yourself in a good way I suppose in positive spin you think about those you could even write them down people often say like for therapy or anything so the same thing in work it's the same as doing a test or so you just make steps to become better in whatever way you want and that's what I do it's the for myself when you want to come out of something you just write down the things you need to do it's like those three things I said for me making a world team they're the same thing as I would do. See, so I'd look at my life and say, well, you know, why am I down? Try and rectify that. If it's because I'm holding in stuff, I go talk to my younger brother, who's one of the people I would talk to, and Zoe Quinn, who's also in Rohini. She's very helpful. And it's not like I talk much about stuff. It's just like the few words here and there help. And now people are in positions in lockdown that they're, like, say I'm used to having that in, say, we'll call it normal life. What is the new normal, as they're saying? Hashtag. But um, so they'll be in positions of maybe depressive thoughts or that kind of thing that they're not used to. And they're not really, maybe they're they're not willing to deal with or they just don't, it's strange to them. So, like, even with, like, it's like us, we're talking, I know it's a podcast and all, but, like, people staying in contact means that you can kind of get stuff. If, even if you're talking around something, you're still talking essentially about it. So I'd say it's yeah. it's same for same. Yeah. And 
without maybe realizing and without maybe the listeners knowing, we've kind of begin to touch on not just physical issues, but mental issues in as well. Mm -hmm. And we weren't maybe going to touch on this until later on in the podcast, but it seems like a good time to, to bring it up that not only have you gone through physical injuries and made incredible comebacks, but mentally you've had tough times as well. And from afar, maybe it was something that I maybe began to observe the more and more I got to know you and just maybe little things that you said to me over the years that oh, oh I was in a bad place there and then actually realized actually Ian wasn't just in a physically bad place he was actually a bit down um was it depression in that 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 you had yeah yeah totally yeah, yeah. it like took me yeah. like a number of years because like like people are they're in denial so it's like, it's like the injury. It's the same thing. That's why I equate it. It's like, you know, ah, geez, I've got that niggle and it's like, uh, you've only got one leg left. So, <laughs> you know, you just ignore it and then it's, go, it's worse and worse. So the depression is like, you're just digging a hole. So yeah, it was depression. Once you admit it, it becomes, you know, it's almost the antithesis. It starts to get better. Yeah. And how did running um, fit into that depression issue in did 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 running help it or did running at times cause it because as great as running is with all its endorphins and so on and um, we can become quite obsessive with running as well and i'm sure lots of people listening you know can identify themselves with that that we might often miss you know family occasions or or friends time or girlfriend or boyfriend time or whatever it might be because we're off training or we're off racing and it, be, it can become a little bit dangerous at, at times for all the great things that running um, offers so how did running fit into that depression equation for for lack of a better term yeah i suppose the thing is that Sometimes you'd get injured and then you'd like, you'd think that, oh, geez, I'm getting depressed because I'm not able to run. And then it's like hitting back at each other kind of thing. But it's usually not the case that the depression is essentially there, but the running is treating it as you go or it's masking it somewhat. Like I'd never, like my elder brother used to say like, well, you know, he used to run and for club and stuff. And he, he said to me, well, I'm, I don't really run anymore. I'm not running away from anything. And I thought that was strange because I never did run away from stuff. I just went, like, I love running. It's like, I've loved it since I was, geez, I don't know, three years of age. I think I got my first pair of uh, Velcro runners and I ran all day until I fell asleep on the ground. Like, I love it. It's like the best. It's like Christmas every day. You're like, I'm going running 20 miles twice a day or whatever. Brilliant. So, like, you just, it becomes, for me, I think, if you're careful with it, you can use it like as a meditative thing. Like I know like a lot of runners, like it's all, I hit the times and the times, but like I've run a hundred mile weeks and like you're looking at a lot of it is eight minute miling. It's just, it's jogging. It's what the Japanese or maybe Rene would call, um, I think it's Nikkei, Nikkei running or something. It's like super slow, but you do a lot of it. Yeah. And that equates to like, if it's got a whole two max kind of thing going on as well so I, i'm not i haven't really read up on it too much but it works so yeah. in the same way it's it's meditative for me so if i'm careful with my running and i don't like it's like that juggling thing like you've got kids and all that kind of things so you can't you have to give and take because if you 
if you take too much from something, the, or one of the juggled balls will fall. So if you pay attention to your body and you're meditative and you're like, you're not obsessive in any one facet, then each will bounce off the other. So I think uh, for years, I, I've, you know, I've used running as a meditation and I always try to not get too involved with it but as you know it, it does get a bit obsessive sometimes you know yeah. that's, that's were, were you able to talk to the running people in about it and i know maybe you might have only maybe said it to me maybe what two years ago three years ago and, and we we had known each other since 2004 yeah were you able to talk to a coach about it or friends about it or even say helplines or even a doctor and um, how did that develop over the years in terms of who you felt comfortable talking to or, or did you just manage all this yourself well it's not a lot of it is managing myself but it's like my younger brother is probably my best outlet because i don't need to like there's plenty of conversations we've had like i call him my what is it <laughs> he's my voice twin and he's got the same sounding voice stuff like that where he's four and a half years younger than me but we're kind of like twins a lot. So we've had a lot of conversations without using any words. Remember, we had a few jokes. We just remember looking at him and, and like people had like, it's like mental. So we, I don't need to say much for him to help me. And in the same way, like my coach, the one, uh, I had a few coaches and I, I work with some people, but some like uh, John Davis, he was in Fingalians. He was my coach for a number of years and he died in 2008. But he, he was very good. He could talk to him about anything. And like, he, <laughs> he had some crazy, crazy things he used to say, like, you know, uh, you need a good blowout now and again. And like, you know, you've had a few drinks too many or something like that. Or, ah, sure, a binge now and again. And you have, you've had six bars of chocolate or something. He, he put a like positive spin on everything, even yeah. though he was like very ill towards the end of his life and stuff like that. But he still had time and you just talked to him about anything. Uh, so I'd use himself, or not use him, sorry, <laughs> uh, talk to him. And then, like, say, uh, there's a few lads in England, like an English club as well. Can have, what is it, one, one, one Life, Two Clubs? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's lads over there, and I, I'd have, like, email things, and I'd have conversations with them, and they're very good at it because it's, it's the coach, in my opinion. He's like, they're like pseudo-elder brothers, sisters, mothers aunts and they do that same kind of thing but they have they're kind of impartial as well like although they might love you in the same way that they, they just got that other dimension so they can look at it differently and that's that's what i felt was a real help over the years i suppose yeah well it sounds like the most important thing is just to to not to suffer alone and for anybody that is listening that might be going through something similar especially at the moment just not to not to be alone and to, to reach out, talk to a running buddy, talk to a running coach, and if needs be, just go to Mister Google and type in depression helpline, and and lots of different options will come up, like the likes of Aware and so on, and and do make that phone call or text that mate or send an audio message to that mate, and uh, and and most importantly, you know, uh, keep on running as well as the song says, and. Uh, that there's nothing better than, than the endorphins to, to help us get through any problems or issues that we have. Mm. But go, going back to like you're saying, because like this is, you know, we're going to have this as part of the interview, I suppose. But like, see, last year, just, just thinking there, like I had some notes, but I'm always like bad with that kind of stuff. But like, 
that that was a Gyrian Bert Boher, I think, you know, too short in the road kind of thing. So that, that kind of ties into that. But for, like, say, a comeback last year, it was it was a Terry McConnell in TT Racers. He's my, I suppose, one of my advisors, coach, and then one of the, my fellow athletes and friend, Alistair Brown. They were a big help in me coming back last year. Like, I spent a good bit of time just running slow miles with Alistair, like long runs, 18 miles, that kind of stuff. And then, of course, there was the carrot. I was selected for the ace squad for the uh, Wicklow Way Relay. <laughs> Very good. And you stuck the title, I think, in. Did, we did. did. I didn't have the training done. I was basically losing weight every week because I was doing the training and eating healthily and that kind of stuff. But I was, like, still way off, I thought. And then, like, I can kind of, you know, I can take something out on the day. But, like... Alistair ended up beating me on, on his leg, which is the same leg, but for the B team. <laughs> he beat me by seven seconds. <laughs> I, I said, it's never going to happen again, but, or, but it was such a great day because we got like, I think it was first team and third team. But basically the first half of the race, I went out as if I was fit. Like I was, you know, thin and rakish as such, but I, I went out hard and like the first half of the race, perfect. And then you can see, obviously Strava and that kind of stuff. Alistair was much slower than that, but he was faster at the end. So it was like, I was going down and he was like just hammering the end. And at the end, sure, that that was essentially the comeback before the final, like the big one, the trial. So that really helped. And oh my God, it was... <laughs> yeah, and, it, and it's such a pity that the race was postponed this yeah. year. Because I think what TT racers, were they going for three in a row maybe? And, um, yeah, yeah, and I, and I know that the uh, Raffarnham boys were, were gathering their their elite forces to try and um, stop that you three in the road. You've not done it, Owen, I don't think, have you? I, I haven't. Uh, I was due to fly in for it to try and help the, right. help the boys in green and the Raffarnham boys take that title back. But, uh, you know, uh, matters beyond our control and um, put put a stop to that um, but in let's get back to the mountains and let's get back to racing you started off running around the track two little laps of the track I know for a couple of years you were knocking out 800 metres and 1500 metres and you broke the two minute mark on 800 metres 159 and a, and a fairly 58.99 cool. it's not it's not on pair of 10 or anything but it was 158.99 oh 158 yeah 158 that's good enough for me and a 357 in the 1500 metres but how did somebody who started off running on the track and, you know, really focused on the track for the first couple of years, move to the mountains and end up running for Ireland 21 times in the mountains? How, how did that happen? It's kind of a strange one in a way, I suppose. And, and, and I think back that maybe I should have done it much earlier and there was signs that I could have done that. But uh, I had an American girlfriend at the time. She didn't last long. But anyway, that's, that's another story. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she wanted to do a hill race. And uh my friend Des Kennedy and his now wife were doing, I don't know if they were married at the time, and they said, oh, I'll give you a lift. And I, and I said, oh, sure, you know, can we go for a pint? I'd like a pint of Guinness afterwards. And I said, well, if you run a course record, <laughs> you can have a pint of Guinness afterwards. And I was like, all right, okay, that's probably unlikely. <laughs> I'm not that fit. And then I was near the front and then Desi from Tala, Desi Shorten, great runner. And he was like, what are you doing with us here? You should be out the front legging it. 
I was like, oh, Jesus, all right, okay. <laughs> so after, you know, first K and a half, nice little warm up into it, it's uphill to the turnaround point. I just, I, I tore off. I took his advice and I tore off. And it was like, you know, the shackles had been unleashed. It's a little, it's nothing like it. But you know that, that um, Forrest Gump moment where he has his, um, what are they called? The braces on his legs and he starts running and they break off. And it was like that in my chest. It was like, oh, geez, uh, it doesn't feel bad. It doesn't feel bad at all. I feel grand. And I heard it to the top, turned around, and I did set my course record. And I got my point of Guinness. And then I have to run into Jerry Brady, who was, you know, buzzing around the Irish team manager many years. And, I don't know, godfather to Irish mountain running for a decade or something that he basically helped a lot of people get in. And he said, the world trial is on in 10 days time. I think he could make that team if you take my advice. Went out with him, showed me the course, he gave me advice. And I just... uh, he told me, look, he even drove down and we did a recce and all this. And the day of the race, we were driving down. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll just like, I'll sit in and then we'll see what happens and stuff. And he's like, well, you can, or like, girl, you know, I don't know what I was going to do. And he said, look, you can sit. What you need to do is sit in, let them go, and then work your way through the field. And I was like, oh, I don't know, Jerry, I'll, I'll see what happens. And he's like, yeah, you'll be sitting here and we'll be in Italy. <laughs> you don't do what I say, you won't make the team. I was like, oh, okay. So I did listen to him. There was like, it was like Stephen Scullion, uh, Brian Keane and Mark Ryan. They all haired off. And there was another guy, Shane Milani, I think, uh, who traditionally has gone off like the clappers at every single trial. I think he was wearing a Heinz Beans vest. Cool vest. But he came back, like fell like a stone. And I remember I was up to like, I was up to third by the third lap. I was grand. And I may, I think Mark Ryan, Mark Ryan on the up, he's a great, he's, he's one of the best uphill runners that can't run uphill. He's like, he just can't run uphill. But the fact that he does such a good impression, he's good at it kind of thing. I don't know. He's such a sufferer. He's amazing. But anyway, I don't know many people who can suffer as much as him. And uh, we got to the top and he was like, are we clear? And I was like, what? Are we clear of everyone else? We're we going to make the team. And I was like, yeah, I think we're grand. Okay. I was like, oh, thank God. And then he relaxed. And he recovered and passed me in the last home straight and stuff. But then I crossed the line and he like he hugged me and he's like, we're going to Italy. And that essentially is, <laughs> that's how it started. Yeah, it was a great moment. Uh, in the, the first of many, the first of many Irish caps. And would I be right in saying that the best result maybe of those 21 caps was a uh, top 25 in the World Championships, um, close to home soil, in Wales in 2015, yeah. where you got 24th. Yeah, it was a great day. Great day altogether. Yeah. A work of, like, you, you know yourself, once you start, like, say, for your 1500 even, or any kind of event, it's like, it's graft, it's like doing the same thing, it's doing your 10,000 hours. So, like, it's, if I started 2009, I even went back to the track for a year to get my speed back, and I rode and stuff like that, but, like, that was, was that? But six years, so that's got a most, I don't know if it was 10,000 hours, but enough to know what I was doing. So I had experimented with altitude training and I had, I'd done, I've been, I took eight weeks off that summer and I traveled around racing all over Europe in Grand Prix, which was good. I, I think I got my first bonus that year. Yeah, I got a hundred quid or 200 quid for beating someone. Uh, I think I was 12th because my previous two weeks before was 13th and the me promoter said, you know, if you, be, if you come 12th, I'll give you whatever, 200 quid or something. 
It's like, all right, yeah. So that that all kind of like it kept going. Everything was about the worlds. If I had a bad race, it, it wasn't a bad race. It was like bedrock for the season. So I did a lot of racing and I made a lot of mistakes. But like that day in Wales, it was the culmination of the entire season. I was just like, I was buzzing. I done, I done a where did I done that? I think it was a Grand the Grand Prix that I was twelfth. And like it was. Like at one point, until I took a slight wrong turn, it was at altitude and it just kind of hurt me. And I went from like sixth or seventh and I ended up uh, falling out to 15th and chasing back up again. But I was ahead of a Kenyan at one point and he was, I was like, we kicked these Moroccans' arses and uh, So like that was a really strong run. And James Kevin, fellow mountain runner, was saying like, so what are you going to do in the world? And do you think you're going to go like top 30 or top 25 and I hadn't actually thought about it I knew I was gonna run and I was like yeah top 25 so and then I then I thought about like you know what was Jerry Brady's best what was Mark Ryan's best what was Ryan McMahon's best and kind of like 26 for Mark 24th for Brian although Jerry I think he had 22nd and 23rd and uh, I was like oh Japers but anyway I am, um, but I remember like I had everything about that weekend. If it didn't, you know, that kind of mindset you get into, it's like everything you do is the right thing because you couldn't have done it. Like it's like destiny, I suppose. It's like it's done now, so it's done. So like we had a late dinner on the Friday, but the race wasn't until Sunday. Grand, they were all the usual thing. Like oh, but you have to have dinner. You have to have dinner. And I was like, yeah, I'm going for a run. I don't care. So me and Brian Fury went for a, like half an hour run at nine o'clock on the Friday. And we came back as usual. Dinner hadn't been served at that point. Anyway, sat down to dinner and we checked out the course the next day. And I did my my recce a lap of it. it was a three lapper, and they were all we were all run together. And I turned around, at like halfway down the downhill, and I was like, "Where is everybody?" Like <laughs> I thought, like because I was just like in the old world for a bit. But I, I was waiting for like three or four minutes. I thought, "Jesus, you lads are either slow or I'm really fit or whatever." So. I knew I was in good shape. And then the next day, go out hard. I led the race for a bit. It's on videotape. I led the world championships, but that was part of the plan. Go out hard. Do not, like the previous year, I had fallen, uh, what was it, um, Petro Mammal, I think, and another Eritrean fell in straight in front of me. And I'm not tall enough to leap over them. So I ran straight into them. And then uh, Rob Jeb from the British team trampled me into the ground and I mildly knocked out for a little bit. I think I saw blacks and then I got, I don't know, I was probably out for like a second or two. And I twisted my diaphragm, I think it's called. That's what my physio said in the end. So, but you don't notice with the adrenaline, but yeah. So I, I wanted, I remember catching up with not Brian, but the rest of the Irish team. And I thought like, what were they doing? But then again, you never know when you fall, how long you've been down or like it was probably a couple of seconds. But it, Essentially, I thought I was on for like a top, I don't know, maybe a top 40 that day. But instead, I was 56 or 58 or something. But anyway, the following area, I am not going to fall because somebody else's mistake. So I went out first mile and uh, was it Robbie Simpson eventually came third. He fell right beside me. And then I think either Tom Hogan or someone else picked him off the ground and put on like, kind of like, there you go, son, and get back on. He, he started running again it came through but like i wanted to avoid that and after geez what was it 2k in or something i was 20 seconds and you know you've got to go at hard and be in the race and then i was i was with the previous year's world champion for most of the race and like a 211 marathon runner and uh, was with me an american guy i, I ran like 
probably one of the races of my life, like out of my skin. It, I couldn't walk for a week. But I just like I hammered the down, hammered the up. There was no like, uh, no paying attention to anything. It was like a 400 or an 800. It was like one, it was like a couple of seconds, even though it was like 50 minutes or something. And then I came to the finish line, passed out, and then woke up again. And I was like, yes, yes, top 24. Because on the final downhill, I could see somebody was chasing me tail. I think it was uh, uh, Guillaume from France. Good lads, Guillaume Germa. And they're chilling. I thought, I can't let this up. Because then Brian McMahon will never <laughs> let me forget it. <laughs> but like, I'd be 25th. And I thought, I'm going to be 24th. I'm going to be. And I just came through. I, I, like, I feel like I'm there in the race with you. Um, <laughs> and I know you, you follow it up then, you know, and say with lots of other great results as well in the Europeans in 2017, a super 23rd place. And the Europeans, a lot of the time, can actually be a harder level than the world championships because the the athletes from England, France, Spain, Italy, all the top guys are there and it's a very condensed race. And, mm. and to get 23rd in the Europeans was great. But I, I want to just touch on Ian as well, your master's results. And yeah. can you give any advice to people that are, say, getting on into their mid to late 30s, early 40s? Selves. <laughs> yeah, ourselves included. Um, because you went on to have some great master's results in the mountains. And this is where the whole Triple G thing comes in, because you, you got a double gold in 2016 <laughs> when you yeah. won the over 35 yeah. World Masters in Susa in Italy, and um, you had a great battle with the multiple world ch- senior champion Jonathan Wyatt that day. And then you also got another team gold in 2017 with myself and Brian Fury in Slovakia. Two bronze medals, two additional bronze medals in the World Masters Mountain Running Championships, and a European silver thrown in there as well. So you've you've got a whole room full of Masters medals on the mountains as well. In um, any tips for anybody listening, how to make that transition from you know feeling super and great and young in our twenties and early thirties to feeling a little bit older as we as we pass thirty five. I think you start to like, like when you get like before the 35, like I think when I was 28, the first team I made at that point, I thought, jeepers, I'm kind of crocked here. I'm I'm not going to come back. So it's about managing those things. And then also thinking like, although you are like, I'll be 40 this year as I think you are like before me, I think just like coming up in Augustine. Yeah. Yeah. Where is it? Maybe. I can't remember, but I, and same with Brian Fury and stuff like we're all close around the same age. But like when you get to that age, 35, you start before that, even you start to have the little things that happen. You maybe you can't get out of bed and like your Achilles is a little bit sore. But it's about like managing those things, but also looking at the bigger picture. Like, can you race, like, say, two races a week? Or can you do three sessions a week? You've got to like move it around a bit. It's like, What's that thing? Oh, you know those little things you used to get in uh, Sailor Works or whatever? They're kind of these little things with these squares on them, and it gets all jumbled up. I don't know. It'd be like a flat Rubik's Cube. It leaves you a little picture on it. So you, you move that one, you move it, but you're going to move this one back. It's kind of like that. <laughs> so to get the full picture, I don't know what they're called, or if anyone else, probably in Ireland, somebody knows what they're called or remembers what I'm talking about. Uh, 
used to get them in Hector Grays. But anyway, you um, you have to see the full picture. And to see the full, you kind of move stuff around here and there. But also be like, eat the right things. Like I went vegan in, like, and I've been on and off. Like I'll eat a bit of meat here and there. I'm not like, I don't know, a meat snob or, or whatever. Like if someone, if I go to someone's house and it's like, oh, there he goes, shepherd's pie. And I'm like, you know, we're in the middle of, I don't know. I don't know, or even if they're poor, rich, or whatever, it's kind of good manners, I suppose, within a certain, like, I wouldn't eat dairy stuff because of the lactose, and it just really sets off my astral, but, like, in a certain way, I'd eat it here and there for politeness, it's just not being a dick, so, like, I, but I would be mostly vegan for the reason of anti-inflammatory type stuff, like, if you, it's easier to be anti-inflammatory and have better Achilles and hip issues and all that stuff, if you're vegan, because like, what do you eat? Like, unless you're eating rubbish, vegan stuff like, oh, like, oh, I'm a vegan. I eat, you know, crisps or, or chips for any American listeners or, you know, corn snacks or I eat lots of sugar, like, oh, that's bad. Like, you tend to just make the switch over to like more salads, fresh things. You make things fresher and it just doesn't leave as much of a toxicity in your body. There's a lot of things about that maybe. It is, but I found that helped, and that was a big part from just before I went 35, and then especially that year, like, I went vegan for the whole of my build-up, because I went from fat to fit in nine weeks, and I lost over a kilo a week. Like, obviously, I was coming in, and like, I knew I had to be below 60 kilos. Okay, that's another thing I'd have to make in a world team. <laughs> for me, I'd have to be below 60 kilos, so I, I lost, yeah, I think I lost nine and a bit uh, kilos in nine weeks and that was all part of it but I wasn't like like obviously I was trying to lose the weight but not really like wasn't concentrating on it like I was just eating the right foods training sensibly and it fell off so and then you don't I noticed like Achilles problems that I'd had for years like the last year like I, I can get out of bed most days and walk to my breakfast or the toilet or the shower or whatever I hadn't been able to walk out of a chair for six years. <laughs> it's, a, uh, it, it, it's a massive difference. Yeah. And, and do, do you put that down to just diet, to switching to vegan foods? Because that, that is a really big difference from struggling to get out of bed and walking with pain first thing in the morning to walking freely. And, and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that yet yeah, when they wake up and make those first 20 steps, uh, it's not easy. And they might be wondering how on heaven's name am I gonna go and run 20K today when I can't even do 20 steps in the morning? Uh, yeah, a positive attitude, I suppose. I, I'm sure you've met like how many masters athletes are negative people. Like they're, they tend to be like great crack, lovely people, like, like except for like uh, competitiveness why would you do masters it's for the fun so like that's the part as well if you stay positive and i think that that can lead to toxicity too i suppose when like the good diet helps you helps your your mind function better but i think yeah you're right it, it is is a major part of it but also you start i suppose as you get a little bit better you start to do exercises that you couldn't have ordinarily done because you were sore in certain points. So I did start doing a lot of things like um, like yourself. You, you helped me do those those exercises, and that kind of pointed me. Uh, your physio helps you do exercises to get you back. And I 
I used some of those, but then I kind of got, you know, you get your own thing. So I kind of investigated further. And then because of the diet and everything else, I just started doing like a thing called toga. And I do a lot of you know, exercises. Like I do squats, I do A-frame squats and, and lots of kind of like, what do you call them? Activation exercises, maybe? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you, you just really have to, you have to work hard, Ian, don't you? Um, mm. Especially as you get older, if you want to keep on, you know, competing and, and again, not trying to make Irish teams, but at whatever level you're at, even if you're just beginning, as you get older, unfortunately, I think you just have to work that bit harder with your diet, with your activation exercises and train cleverly as well, as Rene tells us in every episode as well. And I know one big thing that I've had to change as well is instead of maybe running 20 races a year, I've cut that right down cut it right down to, to maybe 10 races a year in and really focus on maybe just three or four. And I can see over the next couple of years, those 10 races, maybe even coming down to five races or six races and just saving, saving going to the well and saving those big, massive efforts for the five races that you really want to do well in. Yeah, I don't know. See, like for me, I've always, like, I've raced, like, I race more than 52 races a year. There's 52 weeks a year, I think, yeah. So, I, always, like, if I'm healthy. And I don't the, think it... A race a week with the Wednesday, is it the Rahini like League the, races on the, the Wednesday? The Leinster League races, too. Mayors, but there's still races. Essentially, a lot of them are time trials for me. But I think yeah. it's race craft, and it's run, like, you're not running at the same speed you would in your, your top-end races, but... What I find is that maybe at the time, <laughs> that's the speed. Like I did a 16.29 5K, uh, essentially a, part, a virtual relay from an English club today. And I'm, I haven't checked the results, but apparently it's down to the last result. We may have won it by a few seconds or we may have lost by a couple of seconds. But anyway, so it's, uh, you know... Or I've lost my train of thought again. I think I talked to him. It's about enjoying it, Ian, I think, isn't yeah. it? And I, I'm conscious of timing as well. And like, we genuinely could be here for two hours talking. But, but <laughs> I did want to ask you what it felt like to be a triple world champion, <laughs> the triple G, and, and especially maybe the double gold yeah. in 2016. What was it like to stand on the podium with your teammates individually as well and to be a world masters mounting champion? Yeah, I suppose it's, it's like you were saying about people, how they, you know, like whatever level you're at, like it just so happens that that was my level because like I always like there's a bit of a, snobbery in a lot of walks of life you know so like people like you know the way when you talk to people they I don't know they say well I should basically as if they shouldn't talk to us because we're faster or slower but anyway so that was my thing I was aiming for the worlds that year in like the seniors worlds in Bulgaria I had done the world trial and I'd come second uh, and Jeremy the man of the moment as usual said I think you need a race before the worlds and I like if Jerry Brady tells you something, like, he's never been wrong in a running sense, ever, like, in a decade for me or 11 years, you should do the World Masters. And I was like, really, Jerry? It's a big, and it's like, I'm not really ready to be a master kind of thing. And he's like, well, Ian, take a look in the mirror. You're 35, get over it. And I was like, okay. So, so then it was just, like, quick WhatsApp gang. It was like, who's going to do this? And then it was the... Um, 
it's now kind of a tradition two Rathfarnham lads and a Rohini man because <laughs> we've done it twice you me and Brian and it was uh, Reiner myself and Brian in 2016 but yeah it was it was like I got there having done nine weeks and I had my training diary at me and the night before like everything had gone great I was right weight I had done my tester trial uphills and stuff and I thought right I'm going to win this tomorrow. I am not coming home without a double gold. And I basically said that to the lads. I was like, look, I'm winning double gold tomorrow. Don't fuck it up. <laughs> and Mark, was, Mark read my diary and he was like, uh, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not being bad or, you know, I'm not like, I know you're, you're great and all, but, but you have, you've only done like about, like, because he counts real miles. So like one of my weeks, like 22 miles, another one might've been 30 like I counted it from basically from nothing to like 95, 100 miles a week. And he's like, I, I know you're talking about going out with Jonathan Myers and all these, but like, I think you should hold back tomorrow and stuff like that. I think you're going to blow up and stuff. And I was like, Mark, don't give me this nonsense. <laughs> Let's go to sleep and I'm going to smash it tomorrow. So then the next day, <laughs> things change so quickly with human beings. So we're doing the race. The gun goes. And these Italian lads, uh, what's his name? De Hoya, uh, God, oh, it's got a long name. He's going to kill me if he hears this. But yeah, he was an over 35. He was leading the race. And Wyatt and the Portuguese lad, who are like really classy runners, they were holding back a bit. And Mark was like, all right, <laughs> get the hell up there. you got to go after him. He's over 35. You can't lose. And I was thinking to myself, but you just told me yesterday to not. And I was like, right. Like it was like 500 meters into the race. Chase after him. It's all grand. I don't. You, you never know how fast you're going if you haven't done the road work. So like you equate it to like five twenty ish or five ten or something pace. It, it felt you know comfortable running on the road. And just to interrupt Dane for a yeah. second, isn't it great to have um, a great teammate? Um, someone yeah. like Mark and a shout out to Mark if he's listening yeah. in um, like there he is a competitor as well for you that day because Mark would have been competing as well but he's there encouraging you on to go and chase that world gold medal where he could have been chasing that as well and I know I've been racing with Mark for, for years as well and you know he, he's been maybe behind me in a race going up a hill and he's literally pushed me in the back to help me yeah. get up that hill you know, so, encouraging me there. He's a great teammate, and and it's, it's so important to have good teammates, isn't it? Yeah, sure. Over the years, like uh, all of us, is like it's a very tightly knit group of, of of this, I suppose, generation. Like even like Brian Fury, he doesn't talk as much as myself, maybe, but not many people do. But he he's also been like I've gone training with him, and and same with Brian McMahon. Like the two Brian's have had like actually kind of major kind of almost like arguments with when we were away but thankfully <laughs> you could it's like you know we're not family until you do that or like until you like go through things together like in the trenches as such you could become out of that so like but mark ryan as well he he's so so competitive but at the same time he'll help out but i think we'd all do that like we we want to do our best it's like what do you do i said this to somebody the other day like i love going for a run on my own but i like being down with other runners you know <laughs> you know that kind of like yeah. oxymonic statement kind of? and i think you, you can say that about so many irish teams mm. in all sports can't you really that and um, you never really hear 
of Irish teams having problems when they go away. And um, I know it's very cliched as well, the, the Irish fighting spirit, but never it, be. it is true to, to a certain extent. And, and I'm sure when you went up on that podium um, and Aaron Levine is playing um, twice that day, <laughs> that, that it was a great feeling. Yeah, it was, it was like just, again, I, I targeted because Jerry Verity told me to target it. And then I, I didn't realise until I'd done it that it actually did mean quite, and he, he, Jerry is a bit of a piss taker at times. And he said to us all, like, you'll remember this. Like, no one else has won a team goals. You'll remember this day. And we were like, I was thinking, Jerry, are you taking the piss? But he wasn't. <laughs> so, like, like I, I'd gone, like, in the race, I'd gone at, like, I took the lead at 3K in. When we got to the first bit of uphill, I took the lead. And then I was gone. I was go- I was leading by minutes at one point, and I got- it was at altitude. It's up- it was just up and up and up and up in the heat, and I was only caught by Wyatt and the Portuguese lad who who has been like I think second or third in Sierra Zonal uh, recently, like the year before that or something, like top five maybe, and they both went past. They're over forty, um, but really, it was because I was an idiot when <laughs> when the Portuguese lad arrived. I surged repeatedly to try and break him. <laughs> This guy trains at altitude all the time. He had a much easier race because I'd ran it like into the ground. And then John O'Wire caught me with like 150 meters to go. And I thought like there was some change in the race. And I thought we were going right instead of left. And, you know, the, the finish line, I didn't know was there until we turned the corner. And I was like, I'm holding. I've got, we've got another K to go. And he went and he's finishing. And I was like, oh, balls. Damn it, that could have made my day to beat him. But anyway, we're going back to the... Uh, the podium, stepping up, it's like, as usual, I was off talking to other people. You know, I talked to everyone, you know, the, a chair. <laughs> so I was off talking. I was like, Conroy, get the hell up there. They're calling out your name. You're supposed to be on the podium. So as usual, I was a bit like, I don't really get flustered, that kind of thing, because I think it, I do it, I purposely do it maybe even, or subconsciously. And I like, find me track to the top, leg it up, run up to the, the podium. Two lads are waiting, the one and two, and I... Like jump on, nearly fall off it. We all shake hands, and then Aaron Levine goes, and I just—I was actually quite emotional. And I was like, you know, you see it, you see it all the time on the telly at the Olympics and all this kind of stuff. And you're like, how could they be like that? And I had a bit of a maybe a trembly bottom lip and stuff, and I was like, oh my god, you're such. Um, I mean, for for people listening in, um, I know a lot of our listeners might run the longer stuff, you know, the the 40k, 50k ultras, but a lot of people do the shorter mountain races as well. And maybe just very quickly, in one minute, Ian, can you you describe your most important mountain session as you're getting ready for a race? Yes. Okay. So it depends on the up or if it's up and down, but essentially it's like... Let's say up and down because okay. I know we do yeah. our specialist uphill only races, but I suppose nowadays the majority of mountain races are, are up and down. So what's your go-to yeah. session for up and down? I have two. One is a like three by six minutes on a local loop, which is just over a mile, I think. So I, And I alternate. I alternate... Uh, the way I go because it's, it's up down so I, I just go around like you know clockwise one lap and so to, to get both types of speedy downhill and up and that gives you you know you're kind of going hard for both of them both up and down and then but my other more recent one which I, I made up in 2017 was 
it's three miles up, one and a half miles down, two miles up, one mile down, and then one mile up. And you're hitting those at like faster than, than tempo pace. Because and you, I usually wear a heart rate monitor because I'm not at altitude on the sea level. So to get the benefits of altitude, go harder. And like after that, like I look at these sessions and I think, how am I? How did I do that? Like that was, but I was fit. And like it's a real, it's a tester. Maybe it's like doing a rehearsal race for the big one. You know when you do that, that you're ready. And like it's in the bag. So but that would be my my main one because it's it's equates to like 10k which is not that shorter than the usual 12k that we do so i would say go a little bit shorter and try and mimic the race mimic the race yeah no it's good advice Ian. um well listen Ian, we're nearly an hour um talking and it's been a, a fascinating conversation and um, we, we'd love to have you back on the show Ian, again another time because there's, there's lots of things that we haven't gone into detail with and i know you'd love to give a shout out to your friends over in horwich in the uk yeah. as well where Norwich. you travel over and, and run with them in the in the english cross-country championship which i'm sure is, is a fascinating experience <laughs> Yeah, uh, English cross country, and even like, like the Horwich accepted. I went over there to find more similar mountain races that I could do, and there's no point in running on your own. So I joined Horwich, which is James Kevin's club, and it's a it's a nice village uh, club, and I, I've gotten to run the English cross country twice, and once in Parliament Hill. But it just, I was even talking about it today with um, Eugene O'Neill, who is running with, and you just when when the gun goes, the thunder like. In Parliament Hill, when I did, there was 206 finishers, I think. So you're sort like literally like sardines uh, for the first couple of turns, and you're just wait, the rush. You just like you'd be like, what was I? I was 156th, and I lost you know 70 places on the last lap. But like you're running, like, you you can look at the results. Like you're running, like everyone's like you know this guy's a 28 minutes 10k. They're everywhere. So, like, the better, the tougher you are in a way, you have to have some speed. But the tougher you are to get through that mud, it, it's just, but it's one of the, it's like that, you know, with all the tents on the hill, I'm not, like, English or anything, but, like, the Agincourt, you know, Henry V is it or something like that, that kind of feeling. That's all, you know, everyone and the team, and all, it's just, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Gonna... it sounds great. And listening, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that and maybe just to, to summarise very quickly, it, it's been fascinating. Um, a couple of key things that I've learned today that, well, first of all, for anybody listening that's in a dark place, don't be afraid to reach out, to, to talk to somebody. Um, Running-wise, it's to um, avoid those inflammatory foods eat lots of good anti-inflammatory foods run easy and slow as you're as you're coming back from injury and even as you're getting ready for races and train on race specific courses and most importantly from listening to you to to never give up to stay positive and and go for your dreams and uh, it's something that you've certainly done on 21 occasions and Lots of other race wins as well. 21 times running for Ireland. And uh, a triple G. And Ian, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a double triple G over the next couple of years. Double, hopefully, buddy, I'll be there standing beside you as well. Fingers crossed, Alan. Yeah, it's, it's great talk to you as usual. And like we've had our moment on the podium together as well. So 
it might happen this year. You never know. The world's in Austria, World Masters in Austria, and the European Masters in Madeira, which I have my flights booked for already, actually. So. Uh, it, it came up on my Facebook feed, and I was only talking about it with Rory earlier in the episode, 6th oh, and 8th of November. It's on the radar, Ian. Ian Conroy, 21 times, caps for Ireland. An absolute superb athlete. Um, someone to admire and look up to on the mountains. Ian Conroy, thank you very much. Cheers, Owen. Thanks a lot. And that's a wrap for episode 5 everybody We hope you enjoyed the chat with Ian A super guy, 21 time Irish international runner And if you are going through anything that Ian might have um, spoken about At the top of the interview Don't be afraid to reach out, to talk to somebody It's often the best medicine Aware do some great work as well They have a free phone number 1800 80 48 48 Monday to Sunday 10 o'clock to 10 o'clock so don't be afraid to reach out and indeed if you see any friends um, that might be going through some tough times right now pick up the phone send them a text message send them a, a whatsapp audio whatever it might be even bring them out for a run and just make sure that they're okay everybody have a super week's training a big shout out again to our show sponsor Eco Trail on the 26th of September a big thank you to Rene and Rory and our man on the drums Shane O'Mahony and his band Basic Needs for our very cool soundtrack. Get your running gear on, let's go.